Okay, everybody. Are you ready? The last one of the day. Try to stay awake. (laughs) Welcome to the Relationship Workshop. My name is Darby. Some call me Darby Sue. Call me what you want. And, And I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic devices be turned off now. I'm sure by the end of the day you've heard this many times. We remind you that this session is being recorded. All speakers must sign the release form, which I believe they have, To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to the recovery of their progr- of the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. The format of this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share 20 minutes each, followed by three minutes open pitches until the end of the session. The topic of this session is relationships. The following is a reading from AA AA's 12 and 12, 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, page 77. Having thus cleaned away the debris of the past, we consider how, with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. This is a very large order. It is a task which we may perform with increasing skill, but never really finish. Learning how to live in the greatest peace, partnerships, and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. Boy, ain't that the truth. Okay, our first speaker today is Sarah from San Jose. Hi, I'm Sarah, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Hi, Sarah. Um, And I'm just going to take a minute, and you can join me in taking a deep breath in. And letting it out. One more deep breath in. Letting it out. Asking God to please direct my thinking today especially that it be free from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Okay, that's usually what I do when I just need to get grounded. Um, So just a a little itty-bitty bit about me. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous um, since 1993, um, and I've been abstaining from sugar and chocolate for that long. 
um, when I was asked, uh, to, you know, to fill out a form about doing service, um, you know, I was asked how much um, how much weight have you lost. But really, my first question was, well, which time? Um, <laughs> because I met my husband in this program and I had kid number one and I had kid number two. So there was like pregnancy and another pregnancy. And then um, I had a, um, uh, a a relapse, not with sugar and chocolate, but I had another kind of relapse um, somewhere in there as well. So um, the most recent, my most recent weight loss has been uh, 25 pounds. Um so when it comes to relationships, I can tell you that before I got into this program, I would have told you that I knew myself very well. You know, I'm very self-aware. I uh, had really great relationships with my family and really good friendships. Although, um, had you dug a little deeper, you would have found that really I just couldn't stand being in the same room with my mother. I'd never seriously dated anyone in my life until... Um, until after I got into program and got abstinent. Um, and most friendships I had were binge buddies. Um, and, um, and so I have had an opportunity to learn a lot about relationships in this program. And um, I've learned a lot about um, just what it means to... Um, like, you know, I had to learn about the relationship with myself. I had to learn about a relationship with my higher power. And as I worked the steps and um, was working on steps uh, six, seven, eight, and nine, um, and like learning how to participate in the world, like that was part of the amends that I had to make was, you know, I spent a lot of time hiding. And so um, I had to participate in life. And so my sponsor said, whenever anybody asks you to do something, uh, you need to say yes. And so um, some guy saw me, you know, we were all at a meeting and went out afterwards, and, and he was like, oh, I would like to get to know you better. Can I have your phone number? And I was like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> um, and we ended up going out on a date, and because um, he said that he was going to call me at a certain time, and he actually he called me when he said he was going to call me, you know. Thumbs up, number one. Um, and then the date went really well, and uh, so that guy actually is now my husband. Um, we, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. Yeah, so, um, so that's what you get when you work the steps, participating in life. Well, that's what I got when I worked the steps, so I don't know what it's going to be like for you. Um, and um, I, you know, and I also, I have... Um, two beautiful kids um, who are now, they're both boys, they're both teenagers, and, um, and I, do, I do have relationships with them one day at a time, um, and having relationships with teenagers is definitely very interesting, and, um, and what I really wanted as someone who is a compulsive overeater and has been one all, all my life is I really, really, really wanted to um, raise people who were absolutely disease-free. And that has not necessarily been the case. And so um, I have um, gotten to see what it's like to have a relationship with someone um, and, um, you know, treat them with dignity and respect and, you know, and see that they have an illness and, um, 
and also educate other people in our family that, you know, this is an illness and it's not the case that we can just stop eating something or, you know, if only we just lose a little weight, everything will be okay. So um, that's been really helpful and really interesting. Um, and also uh, my relationship with my mom. Um, I, I found her very, very difficult to um, live with as a kid. Um, she and I are just extremely different personalities. She's extremely outgoing, very extroverted, loves loves the party and loves to, you know, like know everybody and talks to everyone. And I am, I'm introverted and quiet and I'm perfectly happy sitting in a, a chair, reading a book all day long. And, you know, you know, and if you say something, I'll say hi. But, you know, other than that, I'm perfectly happy reading my book. Um, and she didn't know what to do with me as a kid. And so, um, and so, you know, fast forward now, I, you know, I have a, um, my own family and she's older and she has Parkinson's. And so she has come to, I invited her to come and live with us. Um, and, um, as a result of working the 12 steps and 12 traditions and being abstinent, um, we have a really good relationship. Um, and so, you know, she lives with us and, um, you know, not, it's not like every day is skipping down the row of daisies or anything, but, um, you know, we're able to treat each other with respect and dignity. And I really, I really appreciate that a lot. Um, but I think what I would like to go into a little bit into detail is the relationship that I have with myself and with my higher power, because I think that's the one that has been the most profound for me as I have been working the steps and I've been working this program. And so, um, before Overeaters Anonymous, I, you know, I can tell you that I, I was raised in, um, the, the church of my parents' choice and, um, it's a situation that worked for me pretty well. You know, I was raised there as a kid. I pretty much took that on as a teenager and an adult and I, you know, it, it worked for me. And so I had a God of my own understanding, and, um, and I had a religious practice of my own understanding. And if you'd asked me if I knew God, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, know God, love God, thumbs up, it's all good. Um, and then I got into Overeaters Anonymous, and I got abstinent. And when it came time to work the steps, and, you know, here we are at step two, I just, there was something about it that, like, all of this, there was fear, there was mistrust, there was... You know, um, you know, step two was, you know, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I was like, I was really clear that that God could restore you to sanity. But I didn't know that, that God would be willing to restore me to sanity. And so I had to really work through that um, and act as if and, like, talked a lot with my sponsor and, you know, and um, just kind of stepped out in faith Um and, and as it turns out, you know, yes, I do have a higher power that was willing to restore me to sanity. Um, and, um, you know, so continue to, to work the steps. Um, and now I, I work a, a tenth step every day. I, I work the steps out of the, out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and so part of that is I do a tenth step every day and I give that away. And, um, and I used to like, on the 10th step, I would write out the big stuff. Like, you know, I resent my boss because he's being a bleepity, 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 bleep. And, um, you know, and, and then it you know, started working its way down to the smaller things. Like, um, 
I don't know, smaller things um, that didn't seem like such a big deal, but I would find myself angry and resentful or having a lot of fear about. Um, And I realized that after a while that um, it was the little things that were the things that I would eat over. And it was the little things that when when I would write my inventory and I would talk about my resentment... Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but now I'm, I'm blanking out. Um, th- that I would, um, I would have a fear or resentment, mainly because you know it's like um, I look to other people for for emotional security. It's like I want my husband to keep me safe. I think that my kids' behavior is going to make me feel better, and if they're not if they're not behaving the cer- a certain way, then I won't be okay. Um, which, as a parent of a teenager, really you you, you got to work through because <laughs> their behavior I mean, for me their behavior was never the way I wanted it to be, um, and so like I could either you know get okay with that or walk around for about ten years like totally not being okay. Um, and so, you know, so I, I had to bring God into that situation, and I had to realize that um, that um, my kid's behavior is not what keeps me safe. It's my higher power is what keeps me safe. Um, and it was doing that inventory every day and realizing that um, and I mean, it was like it, it came about in ways that I didn't even fathom or or realize. You know, it's like I would look at it. I would, I would look at some food item, and I'm like, oh, that looks good. And then I'm like, huh, food looks good. What's going on? I must have a feeling. And then I, you know, and then I, it's like, okay, I'm having, you know, I'm fearful. Why am I fearful? So I'd write that down in my inventory, and it's like. I'm fearful because, oh, because my son is, you know, not getting good grades. Well, you know, if he doesn't get good grades, then people will think I'm a bad mom. And then that will affect my ambitions and my emotional security. And, you know, and then I'm like, oh, okay. Well, really, my my standing in the community has nothing to do with my son's grades. You know, it's like I've already been through high school. I already made good grades. So, like, I'm good there. My part is done. And his grades are his grades. They're not my grades. And so, um, so really, it's like I had to realize that I have a higher power that's really, really powerful. Powerful enough to take care of my son and everything that he has going on with him, even his grades and everything else. Um, and so it's like, so I would have to, like, wake up every day and kind of go, go, okay, higher power, whom I call spirit. I'm like, okay, spirit, today you got him, right? You got him? And spirit's like, yep, got him. Okay. Then it's, then it's all good. Today's good. It's okay. Um, and so, like, that's how I live my life. And so that's why I, you know, at the, at the beginning of my talk, I would breathe in and out. So I spent a lot of time breathing in and breathing out because, you know, to me, um, spirit is in the breath. And so whenever any fear comes up, whenever any resentment comes up, you know, somebody's not doing what I want when I want them to do it, you know, that's selfish and self-centered. Then, you know, then it's usually because 
I don't know. Uh, again, then it's because I'm not relying on my higher power. And, and, and it's like, as you know, as long as I can get down to like what that cause and that condition is, then I know how to ask God to please come and intervene in my life so that I don't have to be worried anymore. And so, like, I literally just took all the stuff that it has in the big book from, you know, steps four and working that through step ten on how I do my inventory and apply that. And, like, that's how I built my very tactical, practical relationship that I have with my higher power. And that's how I work that every day. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's helped a lot because, I you know, my, my husband is in program also and my... Um, my kids have been around program enough to, you know, to be able to say things to me. Um, and, and so now like I'm able to joke and kind of, you know, it's like, I'll say things like the other day, I'm like, you know, we should really clean out this garage. And then I turn to my husband and and I'm like, and when I say we, honey, what I really mean is you. And then we both bust up laughing because we both already knew that, but to acknowledge it and then to laugh because we also know that he's really, got a lot to do anyway and so like that may be a pretty unreasonable request and it may not even get done so just to kind of like follow that logic you know I, anyway it 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 makes for a better marriage because instead of my being demanding I can like I can have a demanding thought but then follow it up with oh maybe that's unreasonable and we can just move right on and not have to worry about that demanding request um so um so that's what that's I think that's what I have to say about relationships, um, and I th- you know they're they're very closely aligned with food um, because I you know it's like I turn to food for ease and comfort, and um, a lot of my dis-ease definitely definitely oh so definitely comes from my relationships with people, you know because they're people and they they sometimes want what they want and I am pretty sure that I want what I want and we don't always want the same thing so. Um, I'm just really grateful that the, that we have the 12 steps where we can um, kind of work that stuff out and um, be in better relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Our second speaker is Jennifer, and she's from Pasadena. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Jennifer, compulsive eater. Um, and uh, I was really excited to speak about relationships because I am not good at them. And I have been consistently not good at them, but getting better, depending on who you ask. Um, so, you know, somebody somebody shared in a meeting this morning, and it was really helpful to me. Uh, so a little bit about me. I came into program in 2007. I've been abstinent since Thanksgiving Day, 2007. Um, I do service. I've done service at the meeting level. I've been a secretary and a treasurer and a delegate and all that. I did special events for uh, for my intergroup, the Foothill Intergroup, and now I am the webmaster of the Foothill Intergroup. And I say those things because they're all kind of relationship things in program, and uh, it was a process to get there. If on the third day in OA someone had said, would you be interested in being the webmaster, I would have been out the door before they finished the question. Like, I'm not going to say no, I'm going to smile and walk away and never come back. Um, which is not the best strategy. 
so uh, I was reading the the quote that um, that Darby read at the beginning. If you missed it, it was. Having thus cleaned away the debris of the past, we consider how, with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. This is a very large order. It is a task which we may perform with increasing skill but never really finish. Learning how to live in the greatest peace, partnership, and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. Uh, so thank God for that moving and fascinating adventure part at the end. Um, because, uh, so I was, I was reading that and thinking about, okay, so we've cleaned away the debris of our past, and it's written like, so you got through eight and nine, you did it, you made your list, now it's perfect. Now you're just going to go out, and it's going to be peace, you know, peace, prosperity, and brotherhood with everybody. And I thought, oh, that's such that weird old black and white thinking. It's, I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of when, to, when I get to my goal weight, then we're going to start up. Then I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to be good to myself. Um, and I thought about how my program has looked nothing like that. Uh, my husband is in a different program. We came into program at about the same time. We had some... Um, some you know some pretty cataclysmic marriage difficulties and were on the verge of getting a divorce um, when he said you know I've I've been directed by outside help that I should be in a twelve step program and I um, had crawled into a different twelve step program on my hands and knees and um, it was uh, an amazing I've never been more desperate in my whole life I've never been more desperate and. While I was desperate, I was so willing to take direction from other people in program in a way that I had never, ever been before. Um, my, my relationships consisted of me kind of, they all centered around me. I'm feeling bad, so I have the friends around me that make me feel better. If my friends are feeling bad, I'm looking at my watch, and you got 10 minutes to feel better, and then I'm out. Um, <laughs> And all of a sudden, I was the one who was feeling bad for months at a time, months at a time. And program people were showing up and just letting me be a mess for months at a time. And then, um, and then I had a baby. I had a baby, and boy, was I fat after my baby. And where I was from, once you had a baby, you gained 50 pounds. And then with every baby, you would just gain 50 more pounds, and it would never go down. And, um, and that was it. And there you go. And you were kind of unhappy and heavy and oh, whatever. And um, kind of cutting. My, my family, everybody got, we got heavy, then we got cutting. Um, even now when I'm with my family members who aren't, aren't in program, I'm like, wow, that's right. We're so mean to each other, but we're kind of smiling. <laughs> like, oh, so you're really going to wear that hat, huh? Like, oh, I never realized how angry that sounds. And how, um, in, in my opinion, in my experience, I'm an addict. I'm very sensitive. Most of the other addicts I know are very sensitive. So somebody says, oh, you're going to wear that hat. If they're not an addict, they're literally just com commenting on the hat. I'm an addict. I'm immediately going through in my mind of all the ways they're being such a jerk, uh, what I'm going to eat at them to prove to them, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> They're never going to see me eat it. You know, it's just that weird, 
weird logic. Um, so, so my whole life is relationships, as most people's are, unless you're isolating. So every day I'm forced to get up and deal with my imperfections and dealing with people in my relationships. Uh, one of the first things that I have to repeatedly look at as my, are my control issues. And I want to control, like Sarah was saying, I want to be safe. And I have this misguided ideal that if I control everything everyone does who interacts with me, then I can be safe. And it's so humbling, humiliating, disappointing, and frightening to realize I don't have that power. I can't, I can't make anybody do what I want them to do. Um, two weeks ago, I took, I have two daughters, they're eight and 11. I took them cross country on an Amtrak train following the worst stomach flu I've ever had in my life. Uh, made it through on the train. Our train was delayed. We had to rent a car six hours away from our destination. 30 minutes into our trip, my oldest daughter got the stomach flu and began vomiting for six hours in a rental car. You're welcome. Uh, And then we ended up at my sister's house. God bless her, her and her husband. We stayed with them for a week, during which time my daughter remained sick. Then I got sick again. Talk about out of control. Like, there's, I, can't, I can't change any of these things. I can't make any of these things go away. Um, I'm worried about my sister. I don't, want to, I don't want my sister to feel like we're taking over her house and we're bringing in, you know, I'm bringing patient zero into her house. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I am frustrated because my illness is preventing us from doing anything. What a great vacation. Let's just hang around near a bathroom for the next three days, you know? <laughs> Um, and so I was desperate, and I did something that my sponsor had mentioned in passing. Didn't even tell me to do. She just told me that she did it. Um, uh, so quickly, my relationship with my sponsor. Um, I have been working with this sponsor since October. I had a sponsor for many years who passed away several years ago. And, um, and then I went through a kind of a grieving process of trying to find a new sponsor. And uh, nobody, nobody was good enough, you know. Of course, it was, it was everyone else's fault. But anyway, uh, so I got my new sponsor in October, and she all of a sudden I was willing to do a lot of things. I call her four days a week at 6.30 in the morning. We talk for 10 minutes. And we're done after 10 minutes, and it doesn't hurt my feelings. She just goes, okay, all right, we're done. Um, I write a 10th step every night. That uh, I do the A-E-I-O-U version of the 10th step. So was I abstinent? Did I exercise? What did I do for myself? What did I do for or with others? What did I uncover or what do I not want to talk about? I write a gratitude list and I write what my food is going to be for the next day. All of those would have been impossible before. Uh, And then my sponsor shared with me that she writes a letter to her higher power in the morning. Um, I've had trouble with prayer, uh, frankly, because I get sidetracked in my head. If I'm doing things in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, God, can you help me with this and that? And did I call about the camp? I should call about camp and relieve me of the bondage of self. And where are those shoes? Did I pick them? And I just found it wasn't as, it didn't help. It didn't, that kind of prayer didn't help. I could check it off on a list and said, yes, I prayed, but it didn't, it didn't help. And so she said, I write a letter every morning to my higher power, and I just unload all of my fears. 
And so I was desperate enough when I saw it was going to be two weeks alone with the kids and the sickness, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it without acting inappropriately at almost every turn unless I get some help. And so I would sit down in the morning, and I, I, um, I only had my phone with me. I couldn't find, you know, where's a pen? Where's paper? I don't know. And uh, I have some weird thing about, like, I get real testy when people are on their phone. Like, come on, pay attention. <laughs> well, okay, well, what I have is my phone. So now I'm going to be the person on my phone, reading the literature on my phone, writing a message on my phone, feeling weird when my kids come in and say, Mom, you're still on the phone. I know, and I, believe me, I want to justify it to you and explain to you why I'm doing it, but let's just suffice it to say you want me to be typing this thing on the phone right now. So I... uh I wrote with my big fat thumbs, uh, you know, a prayer to my higher power every morning. And it was a miracle. It was, it was unbelievable because my kids also raised in a program house. So they're not afraid to tell me about my shortcomings. (laughs) And, um, you know, before we went on the trip, I said, listen, I I promise you guys, I'm going to do, I'm going to try and take care of myself so I don't, you know, lose it. And I only meant for the two days we were on the train, but they thought we meant for the whole time. So I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll try that. Um, And uh, all of these fearful circumstances, and I was still able to get through with grace and patience and kindness. So when I get sick, I get terribly afraid. I'm never just sick. It's the big one. You know, it's... It's not just like, oh, my stomach hurts. It's like, oh, it's stomach cancer, of course. Um, so to write that out every morning, and the, the smaller they were and the stupider they were, the more I was like, no, no, write it out, write it out. Um, and it was great to write out, okay, God, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid my daughter's sick, and I'm either going to go overboard and take her to urgent care, and it's not going to be a big deal, or I'm going to say, oh, no, it's fine. I usually overreact, and then it's going to be really serious. Um, it's all those kinds of things where I feel like whatever decision I make, whichever way I go, that's a mistake. That's when I know I really need to get God involved because there's no way for me to win in that circumstance. There's no way for me to let myself off my hook. Then I'm going to get um, tight and angry, and I'm going to take it out on the people around me. Um, so, yeah, what can I control? What can I control in my relationships? It's very little. It's very, very little. I can control my attitudes and my actions. And when I say I control my attitudes, that doesn't mean I can just stop being afraid. I can't stop being afraid. I can ask for help. I can take an action that helps me move through the fear, work through the fear, um, but I'm not going to stop being afraid. I'm kind of afraid up here right now. I mean, honestly... uh, First of all, I can hear whoever it is next door, and I'm so I'm like, okay, I've got I've got a lot of things to share. What does she say? What? What is happening over there? Are there more people over there? Are the promises? Are they really kicking butt with the promises next door? Are we not? This is something lacking here. Um, there's some Abraham Lincoln quote, which I, he was not in program. I'm sorry, but I think we have a one day at a time thing. Um, that says, like, I'm sure somebody, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, I'm sure somebody can do this better, but they're not here right now. It's me. 
So I have to give you the best I can give you, which is which is my my story. Um, so let's see. Oh, I I want to share this. So in program, uh, one of the new relationships I have is I have started uh, ballroom dancing and partner dancing. And uh, if you think that's not its own animal of relationship, you are kidding yourself. So first of all, it's a physical thing that you do. And second of all, it's a physical thing you do in a really close proximity to another person, oftentimes a person I've never met before, many people I've never met before. And it has been a really valuable thing for me to learn. First of all, I don't enjoy learning things at all. I don't like new things. Some people are like, oh, I love new things. I hate new things. I like mastering things. That's great. I love knowing everything about everything. That's fantastic. Learning something, excruciating. It's awful. And so uh, in the process of partner dancing, I am not a leader. That's not my role. I am a follower. And oh, my God. Um, that means being part of a team that sometimes I think the leader is not good. The leader is not good at all. There's music, there's music, there's a beat. The leader is not on the beat. But my job is to dance with that leader. So I'm not going to dance on the beat. I'm going to dance with the leader. And I think about that with my higher power because I've got this beat. I'm like, I know what we're going to do. This is going to be so great. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And my higher power is like, that is so cute. You know I'm the leader, right? <laughs> so we're not going to dance to your beat. And it's uncomfortable. But I tell you what I learned to do in dancing. I smile. I'm very gracious. And I say thank you. And those are great skills to bring into my everyday life. When my children are... Mm, they're lovely, but they're children. My husband is lovely, but he's not me. And as an addict, I just want you to be a carbon copy of me, except when you're showcasing my flaws, and then I want you to be someone else. <laughs> and my, one of the gifts that I get from program is, I guess I, I get to be a grown-up, and I get to be gracious, and I get to be kind and offer people the benefit of the doubt which I cannot do unless I extend that to myself, which gets me back to that nightly 10 step, which it turns out I thought I would start to enjoy writing that. I never do. It's always a pain. I'm always tired. I always want to wait until the very last minute. When I write the prayer in the morning, I never want to write that either. I want to get down and start my day, whatever that's going to be. I'm, you can't wait. I can't wait to be like, oh, I really want to do this recovery stuff. No. No. Don't wait. Um, so I'll just, I've, I've just got a few minutes left, and I, um, <laughs> I wish I had a little package with a bow that I could unwrap with a three-minute script of just, like, at the end, we'd all be cheering, like, yeah, now we know how to do relationships. Um, I don't. I was talking to, uh, I think his name is Michael, outside. He said, how's your convention going? I said, I haven't really talked to anybody. I feel kind of weird. He's like, well, you're talking to me right now. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I just feel like it was, I don't know, supposed to be different. And that's where God isn't. God isn't in me saying like, eh, no, 
it's not it's not good enough it's not right why why isn't this why isn't this uh sacramento 420 on uh, june 30th this is exactly how it's supposed to be i'm supposed to share with you my imperfect recovery i'm supposed to sit down and feel a little bit like okay um but then I have some tools so I can still eat the dinner that I told my sponsor I was going to eat. Whether I'm smiling about it or not, doesn't matter. Um, but those are those disciplines that I'm w- willing to do now, by the grace of God, um, in order to maintain those other things. You know, I like to have good relationships. I've been married for 16 years. Oh, I mean, like, that's ridiculous. He was... He was a jerk. I was a jerk. We were super selfish. How did we get married for 16 years? We're both in program. We're both kind of competitive with each other, so nobody's going to drop out of program because the other person's in program. Uh, We both admit when we're scared. Like, I can tell you right now, like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared that someone's going to come up to me afterwards and go, so do you eat no flour and no sugar and three meals a day? And do you exercise five days a week? And do you make four program calls a day? And do you do outreach calls? And have you been to world service? And have you? And I'm just be like, no. Can I stay? Um, but that's okay because I got this higher power, you know. And this higher power shows up when I when I ask her, it, him to show up. I'm pretty flexible about the name. Um, uh, I don't care what it's called. I just want the peace. So the peace might show up in a smile from somebody. The peace might show up in uh, a nice breeze when it's not 104. Um, the peace might show up in a funny text message from somebody who's not even in program, but just, you know, I'm thinking about you. And um, I'm really grateful that I even learned to practice in OA. OA has been invaluable for making mistakes. <laughs> Um, having problems, uh, being a jerk, <laughs> and then having to go back and admit that you're wrong. Thank God for business meetings. If you don't go to your business meetings or group conscience votes, or if they make your skin crawl, that's good. You're learning. I mean, I, that's how I learned. That's what I mean. Um, that I can sit in a room with somebody and be like, that opinion is ridiculous. And now our meeting adopted it, and it's all working out. It's just fine. It's just fine. <laughs> So so anyway, I just want to say thank you to everybody who did all the work to put this convention on, for all of the people that have been of service. I think the majority of people here are of service. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. She was great. Our next speaker is Amy from Albany. Berkeley, says Albany. That's what it says. That's so weird. That's so weird. Am I the wrong Amy? Can I leave? No. I'm from Berkeley. Can I stay? Okay. Also known as Berserkly or the People's Republic of Berkeley. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um... I uh, I was just my stomach was just getting very nervous in the last one minute. I'm I'm not a nervous I I'm not usually nervous. Oh I'm sorry I'm Amy I'm a compulsive eater, and I'm grateful to be abstinent today. And that is truly by the grace of God, 
and the fellowship of this program. Um, and so, yeah, wow, because I'm following some amazing speakers, and, uh, you know, I'm just another bozo on the bus. Um, let's see. I'll give you some of my coordinates. Uh, I am a... I've been in Overdose Anonymous since 1982. Uh, my abstinence, uh, as I define it, started in 1989. Um, and by the grace of God, I've been abstinent since that day, December 30th, 1989. Um, and I weigh and measure three meals a day. That's what I do, um, and it works for me. Um, so, And I'm a 100-pounder. I've been at this weight for about 25 years. Up or down five, six, eight pounds. Um, I don't exercise. Don't ever make me exercise. I run from exercise, just like I ran from PE all my life. Um, and I guess I can go back to running from PE all my life and say to you that, you know, our first relationships, my first relationships that I thought of when I signed up for this topic was the kids in school. Um, but you know, because the, the, the parental relationships that we have, that, it, that's like the scene of the crime. Like, the, I do that in therapy. Like, 25 years, talk about those relationships, because those, just for, I mean, just for today, I'm, that's what I'm going to say, I'm going to do. I'm not going to talk about my mom today. But, you know, it always goes back to the mom. Um, so, um, but, the, so those formulated certain things, but then the, the, the thing, the ism that I have, as a compulsive eater, started in those elementary school grades where I began to not have any tools to deal with anything. The, f- new per- the, the biggest one was always the new g- g- kid who came in from some other city and came to the school, and then all of a sudden my friends were gone and were friends with that new kid. Or that new kid was, you know, and just that in general, nobody at home at the scene of the crime and it's not really a crime for me. I know for many of us it was. I mean, it was a certain kind of emotional crime, I guess. Um, you know, um, nobody was doing what I do with my kids, like, how do you feel? Or, what did Joey say to you? Or, you know, like, you seem sort of down today. Or, you know, hey, let's go. So there was no place. Nobody was teaching any of those things. I'm 53, so you can figure out what, that's the 70s, and you know, kids are seen and not heard. And my mom's a wacko, and I love her to death. But oh my God, um, my dad, alcoholic, got sober when I was eight, and he comes into the picture in a minute. Um, I am. This is about relationships. You'll see. Um, so without tools, there was nothing that worked besides eating. Nothing that worked with relationships, with people, because there really isn't anything else but people, you know, and maybe pets, but we didn't have any pets. Pets were, pets were too dirty. No. Lots of hand washing would have had to happen. Um, that wasn't already happening. So, so those are the first relationships, you know, we're kids at school, and I didn't have any tools, and I didn't know how I felt, I didn't know who I was, and I was just eating and eating and eating and eating and getting, you know, and I wasn't particularly overweight, but I was tall, and I was, you know, I was a bigger kid, um, and I was as tall as I am now in, like, the fifth grade, and I felt like a monster. 
So it was like that huge, you know, there wasn't going to be any relationships. Let's just put it that way. There weren't going to be, you know, even my friendships were all about chameleon. They were all about, well, when I'm with these kids, I'll be like this, and then I'll run with the bad kids. I grew up in the city of Chicago. I grew up in downtown, like in the city, um, where, you know, we just really just, you know, I don't even know. It was a scrappy thing. It was a scrappy life. Um, and, you know, um, so... So I was, I learned really early to eat and to be whoever you wanted me to be. And, and so until I got here, I didn't realize what the food was doing for me because it was a way, and I have a friend who uses this phrase, you know, to take me out of here, whoops, to take me out, just take me out of here, you know? Um, so when I'm presented with this concept of abstinence, well, what am I going to do? I mean, it isn't even, it's like it, 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 this idea of not um, having a go-to, putting the plug in the jug leaves me with the only other thing that, did I wreck it? <laughs> See, I still think I'm all about me. No, um, no I, I, is that, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. Hang on a minute. Right. If I put the pl- if I really do follow the directions to find abstinence to be to stop the cycle of abstinence to get sober with food you know I, what how will what will I do but forget about like what will I do it's too terrifying it was too terrifying i mean literally terrifying um but well so what i so without being able, like sort of making that commitment, okay, I'm not going to do that no matter what. How do I dance with everybody, like all the time? You all are in my life all the time. It's like it's like the food, really, if you think about it, like I was thinking on my drive down up, that, you know, I have an idea about what I do with food every day. But people are completely unpredictable. I remember as a kid, like, you know, you'd go, I'd go to school and before, you know, you know, my, I had a lot of strategies, strategies for living, right? One of the strategies was some kids called me names, but then there were the other kids where I was like the be all end all. And like, my strategy was don't wait to get picked for the team, be the captain. Then you don't have to get picked. So then I got to be the captain. But my point is that I, I got it. I, I get here. The people, so food, I have an idea of what I do with my food, but I learned young that the only thing reliable were those packages because they're always measured the same way. Those packages of whatever I was going to eat, the little packages, the big packages, the store on the corner, the thing in the freezer, like it was always the same thing. And I would go home and I wouldn't know who was in trouble next or what plates were going to go flying, but I always knew that at the store or in the kitchen or somewhere, that thing that I ate was going to be the same thing. It always tastes the same. So that unpredictability um, is why I, I come to and I try to figure out how do I do relationships. Because people are in my life. And, and here's the, the fun part is, <laughs> the joy of recovery is, is that I want them in my life. Is that I want people in my life. And I want them in a way that feels sober and that feels healthy. Um, I thought about a bunch of kind of different relationships that I have, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I guess I sort of started with 
well, I started with this thing that I also learned. See, that's the other thing. I never made, I haven't made up anything I'm saying right now. I mean, some of the things are unique to my story, but the sayings or the ideas and stuff I learned from someone else in the program is that the most important relationship in my life is with my higher power. The second most important relationship in my life is with myself. And everyone else comes third. Everyone, my kids, my work, my parents, my mother, uh, you know, anybody else, everyone else comes third. And that idea has helped me a great deal. It's not easy. <laughs> and it, in fact, it's always, as, this, as the little reading says, you know, it's a constant always working on. It's a vigilance. I am vigilant with my food. I have to be vigilant in my relationships. And that means I have to ask for help. Just like I have to ask for help with food, I have to ask for help with relationships. And for a person who, you know, my safety was in knowing for myself how to do my life and figure out my strategies, it was a big change. And, and I, you know, I have been doing this a long time and I don't want to like, I don't want to shortchange that. There are certain aspects of what I'm telling you that are not for, it's like they become very natural for me. So I can't, I can't pull it up and say how, like, it's so, re it's so regular for me to ask somebody or tell or run something by somebody. It's become pretty cat normal for me. Thank you, 10 minutes. Um, but it happens. And if, and if ever I go for a period where I'm not getting to meetings as much or I'm not, or I'm, you know, I'm only one bite away from a binge ever, 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 ever. Nothing changed in my wiring. If I'm ever feeling like I need to re-up in some way my program, I know what the things are to do. And what they are is to find support for relationships. It's always going to be these topics we hear in AA a lot, finance and romance. Finance and romance. And why? And I, those are categories for me. Finance is survival. That's job. That's my job. It's, you know, as a kid, and this may not be everyone's experience, and this is, you know, I don't know, a different part of the country, and I'm, I'm really in a different part of the country because growing up there wasn't nothing on the other side of the Mississippi River. I mean, there, there, we didn't even know anything existed west of the Mississippi. But anyway, so here I am. So please, if you, under, if you relate, please do. And if not, it's me. Is that I've been working since I was 11 years old. I worked and worked. I worked since I was 11. And then every job and through high school, and I worked my way through college, Everything myself, paid myself, just the whole deal. Um, work is where I will absolutely abandon myself, abandon who I am, abandon what I need, abandon what I want. Aban it's where I have, where I, well, it's where I'm susceptible to doing that. But by the grace of God today, I do not do that. But it is so easy to look at a boss or to have somebody say something. And if I feel like my livelihood is in jeopardy, in some way, you know, they say we're, many of us speak for, we're people pleasers. So once we, we get all this, you know, good, solid, like I know who I am and what works for me and what doesn't, and I can, I can sort of sanely say to you, well, that's not working for me. But when it comes to work and, and, I, and I have two kids and it's my livelihood, I got to be really, I have to be super careful not to, not to abandon myself because at the end of the day what I know about what I've I've experienced is anything I put in front of my abstinence I'm going to lose 
And if I start going down the slippery slope of, you know, self-denial, like denying of needs, denying of self, being somebody else, da-da-da-da, I'm just, I'm stepping back. I'm not stepping forward because that's back. That's a backward direction, back to the food and not forward to on to recovery and additional growth. Um, so finest, and then romance. So if you, first of all, I don't have a lot of experience in romance. I have enough, enough to know that I am a desperate codependent, desperate, that I have linked my wagon I have hitched my wagon one solid time to another person, which meant that just as a compulsive eater and as a kid, I didn't grow with idea of who I am or what I like or what color I even like. One day I like this color orange and then I like blue. And I'm not over, I'm not exaggerating. And I'm a pretty strong personality. You know, I was voted best personality, whatever. Sure wasn't, you know, I sure wasn't most pretty. Um, although I think I was kind of cute back then. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm even still cute now. Um, but I don't, so, but is this that it, in, co, in that sort of, I, I do want to be liked. I do want to be found I, to, cute to a, and to an extent attractive. I want to be, I want someone to be, to like me and to most importantly, to stay with me, <laughs> to stay with me. So because I don't, I didn't have any, and today, you know, I, I have worked really hard on this have a sense of when something doesn't feel like it was my idea <laughs> or you know like if someone wants to get together if I'm dating I'm, I'm dating somebody at this time you know it's just no I don't think so I gotta take those risks I gotta say you know and if you're gonna be there after this no and I'll see you in four days then that's what that's the kind of place I want to be and I'm just going to keep going back to this stuff is scary when you don't go back to the food. I do want to say, though, I do love my food. And I do love eating my food, my abstinent food. Um, so I'm glad that I get to have safety. I have to eat. I eat in safety. And this is what I get in this program. I, get, I found safe eating, you know, um, where it doesn't feel like anything really happened to me. I'm the same person that's when I start eating is when I finish eating. I'm, I'm the same person. You know, I wasn't before. Um, I'm kind of jumping around, and, I, and I'm sorry. I didn't take notes, except I did while these folks were talking. <laughs> so I wrote, these were rare, finance, romance, um, common, oh, you know, and just to remember that in every kind of relationship, it's so, I, at first when I got the topic, I thought about all the people in my life, and then I remembered, no, no, no. The common denominator in all those relationships is me. So it goes back to what did I find out in my sixth and seventh step? What do I know about myself? And in that little blurb, it says, having found out all these things about myself, which I just told you a lot of things I found out, and I didn't find those out in five minutes. I found those out working the steps like a few times, you know, like more than a few, maybe maybe about four or five times, you know, intently. Not being in, you know, six and seven step meetings are always your aha opportunities. You know, but like doing the steps and whatever I did. No. Um, and I'll do them again because that's what I learned is just, you know, when time is time, you know, do them again because you're never done. Um, but I found out stuff about myself. I found out what my, what my character defects are, impatience, intolerance. And I don't, you know, I even found out that my char- one of my character defects is, is that I don't want you to do what I want 
everything I want you to do. I actually don't feel enough, I didn't feel enough self-worth to think that people should do what I want them to do. Oh, no, 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 you should do whatever you want to do. Like, I didn't even want, I hear people share and I love it and I'm like, yeah, I love it. It's, I'm so, I'm so like, wow, to people who will say, I just wanted people to do what I want them to do. So I think that's, you must have a lot of self-esteem to want to do. You must believe in yourself. I'm like, I believe in Drek. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe, I don't believe I have a, anyway, people are not pretty, okay, so, and then the other thing I learned about, uh, that, that the first really, really, um, what I was, I was, I was going to say, I'm just saying interesting relationship. The first kind of learning ground relationship is with the sponsor. Does this person really want to pick up the phone? Like, like, do they, are they doing, are they doing this just to make me feel good? Like all those stories you can tell yourself about the sponsor picking up the phone or you having a sponsee who's like, all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I'm, I'm her mother. She, wait a second. What had just happened here? Like, and then you have to work it through. And then you've got the sponsee who wants to just bail because I got to find a new sponsor. And then it's like, well, let's talk about that. And sometimes you can find and work through or like, or, you know, and work through and stay together. And those are those, to me, those are the 2% of the times kind of times where you learn the most or where I want to leave. I don't want to pick that sponsor because that sponsor scares the shit out of me. Well, maybe that's the sponsor you should have, Amy, because maybe you won't feel like they're going to just think you're so charming and they're just going to tell you what to do, you know, and. Sure enough, I have a sponsor who tells me, you know what, Amy, go to bed. Just go to bed. Bless her heart. Um, so there's that. And at the end, I mean, you know, I guess the end of the, the thought, not that it is in any way the end, nor is it the package with the bow or the anything. Um, and I was thinking their mic was turned up louder than ours. That's what I thought. And I thought, well, why is their mic louder? I was. Um but also, anyway, but so the thing I want to say at the end of the day is that it's really about humility and that, it, that God, God, higher power, universe, whatever you, whatever isn't you, whatever isn't us, whatever isn't me, that when I'm in a relationship with somebody, we're not the only ones in the room ever. Like it's not eyeball to eyeball. This is just for me. It's not, I mean, it's eyeball to eyeball, but it's not, it's not, um, we're not really... I mean, we're doing our best, but there's a bigger picture here that even when I'm in there with my boss, who bless his heart, you know, we do, we do great together. You know, I'm able to confront or, or not if that's, you know, if it's okay to just say, you know what? Okay, thanks. Like just be able to just step away. Yeah. But is that, is that there is, you know, we're all just, is that it's just humility on my part. It's just about humility. I don't even know. I don't even know where to end. Just humility. Always being, always being, always being uh, willing to reach out for help when it comes to relationships with food and other human beings. So, thanks. Thank you, Amy from Berkeley. Thank you. The meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Make sure that if you come up, come on up, sign the little paper there. Here's a pen.
and confine your share to the experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. The session will end at 5 p.m. Thank you. I'm Sarah. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I think this is a question, but it might invite some talking into the question. Um, I really got a lot out of everything people said. And after 12 years of abstinence from compulsive overeating and working for, I work for other fellowships in addition to this. And um, I work a program around uh, workaholism, sex and love addiction, um, and uh, codependence. And so a lot of them have to do with relationships. Sitting here for the first time, it occurred to me so much of what I eat over, and, and the core addiction is food. It's been from birth all the way along. Food, food, food. The reason I went to all those programs was so I could stay abstinent here. So it suddenly I started to cry because I was thinking, why couldn't that have happened within OA? Like, like if that's the reason so many of us eat is relationships, can't we build the experience, strength, and hope? And maybe you all are showing me that that's possible. Can't we have that? And so I guess it's a question. Is it possible? <laughs> is that your experience? Um, to, to, to be able to, to have emotional sobriety around relationships in this program um, and not eat without having to work multiple other programs. And I know, you know each person's different, blah, blah, blah. But if anybody wants to address it. Well, yeah, why don't you take that off the, and they can share their experience and strength and hope. So, great. Thank you. Anybody else? Scarlett, did you sign? Hi, I'm Scarlett. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Thank you to our speakers. Awesome. Awesome chairs. Shares. Thank you. Um, I've been in program for quite some time, and Relationships is probably the um, most significant improvement I've seen in my life because of this program. Um, one of the biggest uh, improvements was um, my marriage. I was married um, 37 years when my husband and I got a divorce. And um, that divorce was traumatic because of the way that it came about. I won't go into the gory details, but just t suffice it to say it was a shock to me and that um, I had to leave overnight. And um, we were able to walk through that divorce with kindness. And today we are good friends. That was five years ago. And he's my handyman. I allow my ex-husband to come into my house when I'm not there to take care of my house. And that is because of this program. Because we were able to be kind to each other in all of the negotiations of our divorce. My daughter's a recovering drug addict, and um, she was a 10-year meth addict. And we raised her son during those years. Today, my relationship with her is one of the biggest beautiful gifts in my life. And I did that in this program. Because she, she was 10 years old when I got here. And now she's in, in her 30s. 
And because of this program and the principles and, and, and sponsors that helped me walk through that, I was able, I, my relationship with her today is phenomenal. Now, I got to tell you that I also had uh, relapse last year, and I didn't use these principles at work because of my relapse. I was in the food. And so, consequently, I answered to an executive board, and it was all their fault. They were wrong in a lot of areas. And I was having tons of trouble at work. First time in my career, because my work is so critical to my self-esteem, that I couldn't, I, I was ready to resign because it was like, these people, I can't work with these people. And once I started doing the work again in this program, I never left, but I did struggle tremendously last year. I started doing the work again, and I'll be damned, my board is really pretty good. <laughs> you know? Um, they even gave me a raise. It's like, you know, wow, these people turned around. And so <clears throat> my, point, my point being that when you work, the principles of the program. Um, not only if your food gets better, but your relationships do too. Thanks for listening. Hold it so I don't forget. I'm Christina. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I wanted to say thank you to all of the speakers very much. Um, I just love the topic. I feel like relationships are, are something that have been a huge, uh, difficult thing for me. But hearing the speakers talk, it really made me think about both some of the tools that you talked about that can be useful and also some of the experience that I've had in this program that's been helpful. And I especially appreciated that you guys talked about your kids because I have two kids that I had in recovery and like oh my God, my character defects never come out more than with my, my kids, the people I love the most in the world. Um, the, you know, plenty of opportunities for me to work on my stuff in those relationships. Um, so thank you for talking about that. And, and I have had a couple of, uh, of experiences where I can really see how this program has worked well with relationships. And one was my relationship with my mom, which my mom is awesome, but there was one specific thing that I felt that she had failed me in a particular area of my life when I was growing up. And I held a lot of resentment about that. And that resentment persisted even through working a fourth and a fifth step. And it wasn't until I worked, I was getting ready to do my amends. I was working on my eighth step list. And I still had this resentment against my mom. And, and so talking with my sponsor, I went back and actually did step six and seven just on that relationship. And in looking at my character defects and then considering what the opposite of those defects might be, I felt this, it always makes me tear up because it was so... Um, it was like a physical shift that I could feel where that resentment left. And my relationship with my mom is so different today. She's taking care of my kids while I'm here at this convention. You know, she was present at the birth of both my kids. She's, she's been a huge part of my life. And I, I have a, a, an appreciation for her that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So that's, that's been a huge gift I've gotten here. Um, also, uh, sponsorship, being a sponsor, has taught me so much about relationships because I'm very much the kind of person who I want to just cut out if things aren't working, if I'm uncomfortable, you did something I don't like, I'm not going to tell you about it, I'm just going to leave. And I can't do that with sponsees. I have a commitment, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be there for them. And I have a couple of sponsees who I've worked with for a very long time at this point. And there have been times where issues came up and I wanted to leave, but I didn't 
what I did instead was I called other people in the program and I wrote about it and I worked through it. And inevitably I found that I got to grow out of that experience because I was looking at my part. And of course it was about me. I was uncomfortable because I, whatever, there was stuff about me. Um, and, and, but also I got to grow in the relationship with the sponsee and getting to be there and witness another person and be admiring of their, um, commitment to recovery and also acknowledging their human, um, you know, imperfections has really taught me a lot about relationships. So thank you. Um, I really, uh, I'm so grateful that I got to get up here because this is the first time I've actually been able to stand in the front of the room. I got here much later than I thought because I had a crazy day, but I'm glad that I made it. So thank you. Hi, I'm Leticia, compulsive overeater. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I used to be the one that avoided any time anything said about relationships because I'm like, damn, they're gonna talk about that. I had nothing to because I figured I didn't have any anything to gain from it because people talked about significant others. And it wasn't until this program came along that um, I decided that I would ab- I was able to have a significant other. Um, I didn't have a romantic relationship until I turned 45, and that was a couple years ago. And the only reason I was able to step out of my shell. Um, I had plenty of friends, lots of people that I loved and that I was close to, but the whole romantic relationship thing scared me to death. Just scared me to death because someone was going to be close enough to see me naked. (laughs) I could not have that happen. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And it's been quite a trip. Um, I am so grateful because we're both in program and we can talk to each other. And when I say, you know what, you're crossing a boundary with me there, he completely understands what I'm saying. And to me, that's I am so very grateful. Um, doesn't matter that it took as long as it did. You know, my program and my life is a process and you know they say progress not perfection and my life is all about progress moving on forward from one thing to another through a relapse through relationships through whatever it is and I just want to say I'm so grateful and thank you all for being here and for being being willing to share of yourself because if you hadn't done that I wouldn't be in love today Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our speakers again. That was great. Let's give them a big hand.
Okay, we thank the speakers. Thank you, Sam. I'm a terrible reader. Some of us that <laughs> goes to my meetings know that I'm a terrible speaker, but um, I mean reader. So um, let's join hands, and as we close with the third step prayer, you'll find on page eight of the program. Anybody that shared, did you sign the thing? I'm not good at monitoring that either. <laughs> 